0: We are walking through the book, the book of Luke right now, and so if you need a Bible, there's a, a Bible in a chair next to you, underneath the chair next to you. Uh, there's Bibles over at the lamp, or you can just raise up your hand and, and we'll get a Bible for you. We are actually going to be looking at Luke 16, verses 16 through 18, two verses today. Can you believe it? We're looking at two verses today. We've been walking through the book of Luke for about a year and a half now. We're in no rush, obviously. We're going to take our time. We're going to see what God is showing us. We believe that as we look at Luke, as we look at his teachings, we see Jesus. We see how Jesus walked the earth. We see what Jesus taught, how he lived. And we want to model and we want to pattern ourselves after the life of Jesus. I feel like that's a pretty good place to start. Well, I want to start this, ver- this, uh, this message and, and just say this. Um, last week, if you were here, it's considered one of the hardest passages in the entire Bible to interpret. We did our very best, didn't we? I feel like God did something pretty good there. Today, one of the top five hardest verses to translate and to communicate in the entire Bible. Uh, in fact, you know, I... I um, look at a lot of commentaries, and I look at a lot of scholars as they they, they kind of show us and teach us things, and, and one of the commentaries I picked up for today's message, literally, it said, I don't know what this says, good luck. I'm like... <laughs> Thanks, scholar. Like, all right, here we are. And so it's one of these hard, hard passages, again, that we enter into. It's Luke chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. So let me read this, because I believe God wants to show each and every one of us something really special today. Luke chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. The law of the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least, of a, least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Verse 18, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Last week, we talked about money. Good thing to talk about in church. This week, we're talking about divorce and other things. And welcome to Church Project. Uh, This is one of the benefits and one of the cool things I think that we have structured is that we are going to deal with the text as it comes. We're not going to sweep anything under the rug and we're going to get right to the meat of what God is saying. So as we look at this, last week Jesus was talking about money and he was talking about everything that we have, especially money, but all of our talents, all of our time, everything about us. And he was saying this. Luke was writing and saying, live in the temporal, live in today but for eternal. So use your money for the kingdom. Use your time for the kingdom. Live in the temporal today, because that's what we're here to do. Live on earth, but we're living for the eternal. And as Jesus gave this beautiful message, we see, if you want to look back one verse into verse 15, um, the Pharisees, what do they do? They scoffed. They laughed at Jesus. They said, what are you talking about? And so that's that's the idea that, that is being taught here is that everything that we have is for eternal purposes. Everything that we have should be used to glorify God. It should be used so that people will know the hope and the love of the Savior. So as the Pharisees were laughing at Jesus, he gets into verse 16 and he says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone, and by the way, some translations, yours might say, righteous men, so everyone or righteous men are forcing their way into it. It's a hard verse to understand. So as we look at the very beginning, the law and the prophets, if we think about the law of the prophets, well, there's, there's God, God the Father. And in First Timothy 6.16, describing God the Father says that He is unapproachable. No eye has seen Him and no eye can see Him. He is God the Father. And that's one aspect of who God is. But there's also God the Father, God the, the Holy Spirit, God the Son. It's the Trinity and, and everything makes up who God was. And he's saying here, the law and the prophets were proclaimed into John. But what he's saying is, I am the God who sent the prophets. I have always existed. No one created me. What you see in the prophets is because I spoke it through the prophets. And so God is proclaiming right at the very beginning, the law and the prophets were proclaimed because I am God and I proclaimed it in this way. It was proclaimed until John, and we look at this and proclaimed until John, we see that John was the forerunner of Jesus. John came, he was actually the cousin of Jesus. And in in a lot of similar fashion, the birth of John was very miraculous as well. And so we see John, and this is the John that they're talking about, the forerunner of Jesus, the cousin of Jesus with this miraculous birth. And we hear Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, it's referring here and, and alluding to Hebrews 1.1, one. 1 says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in many various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. So what we hear in the Old Testament and what we see in the Old Testament is law, and we see prophet, and that's the way that God used it until John comes, the forerunner. John the Baptist is the last Old Testament messenger, and he's the first preacher of the New Age. He is the first preacher of the New Age. Well, what is he preaching? What does your scripture say? What is he preaching? He says the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, and now John's here. And since that time, since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached. The gospel. The good news is being preached. What is this? What is the good news of the kingdom of God? It's very simple. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Life eternal that begins now and lasts forever forever. It's God's way of life, the kingdom coming here on earth, people loving God and loving other people, living their lives to serve God and to serve other people. It's salvation through Jesus Christ alone. It's God sending his grace for us because we can't obey the law. Like This is the gospel. This is the good news. It's people that are far from God, but God says, I have a way for them and I love them. I send my only son for you, to die for you, because we're all separated from God. The good news of the kingdom of God is the gospel. It's Jesus himself, and it's the way that Jesus loves us. That's good news. That's exciting news. And this is what John began teaching, the forerunner of Jesus, And this is the news we get to hear as his church. This is the news that comes alive in us. This is what separates us as Christians from everyone else in the world. We have good news. We have hope. And this is what John was teaching. And so we get to this next part, the end of verse 16. It's it's, it's kind of fun, isn't it? He's preaching this this good news to everyone. Some say righteous men, uh, but they're forcing their way into it? What is this forcing their way into it? You can look at all sorts of commentaries, all sorts of translations here, forcing their way into it. They're looking for it. They're longing for it. They're eager to get it. They're urgently pressing. They're trying to enter. They're looking for something. And so here's a question. Have you ever wanted something? Like you You really wanted, and it was just, it just felt so right. And you wanted, you were like urgently pressing in for it. So Anyone? I, I did. I, I remember, I, I don't know what grade it was, maybe fourth grade or something, but I, I remember going to our little grocery store, and I grew up in a little small town, and so going to a grocery store was a big deal. It's like all we had, right? You go to the grocery store, and everything was the same because nothing really changed in Ordway, Colorado, but one day I walked into the grocery store, and a display had changed near the milk area. I know exactly where it was at. And the display had changed, and sitting there was this bike, Mountain Dew bike, like BMX Mountain Dew bike, logos everywhere, like green. I'm just like,
1: yes,
0: this is meant to be. Like, this, this is meant to me. I wanted something so bad. And so I, I, I'll say I, I didn't quite just fill out one of my names to go into the lottery. Maybe a few. I, I may have forced my way into it. I'm not sure, but I ended up winning that Mountain Dew bike. I'm like, this is so right, right? And I, man, in fourth grade, that new bike in Ordway, Colorado, I wanted that. Like, I wanted to force into it. I wanted urge into that. Like, that was awesome. So we, we look at here. Have you ever wanted something so bad? I look at this text, and as you, as you take it the way that God is interpreting it to you and the Holy Spirit is teaching it to you, we're talking about the good news. We're talking about Jesus loving us. Him looking at us, looking in our eyes, and saying, regardless of what you've done, who you are, where you've been, I love you. You're forgiven. There's hope. There's purpose. Not only that, I hand crafted you to be exactly who you are you hear a message like that and I want it don't you I want this message and so I can I can understand when it says that that people are forcing their way into it I want more of that like I want to be around that as much as possible then we get to verse 17 says it is easier for the law or it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. The Pharisees were taking ancient Hebrew scripture and they were twisting it. Have you ever taken a truth and just twisted it? Just enough? Like it still had kind of some of the truth in it, but then you twisted it just a little bit? The Pharisees, what are they doing? They're, they're, They're taking ancient Hebrew scriptures and they're twisting them. They're making them say what they want wanted them to say. The Hebrew alphabet, and I'll, I'll give it my best shot, here's the first part of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Bet, Gemel, Delet, He, Van, Zayin, Het, Tet, Yod. And Yod is this, it's like an apostrophe, apostrophe. And Jesus is saying, every ounce of what I've done, everything that's in there, even to the smallest Yod, is there on purpose. There's even a a portion of the Hebrew alphabet, a stroke that's even smaller than the yod. And when you use this little tiny stroke, it changes a P to an R. And God is saying, nothing I have ever given will ever disappear. I am the God of the law, the prophets, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I am that God. Everything that I have written, everything that I spoke to the, pro- to the prophets, every tiny little yod, everything that I did, I put there on purpose. I sent the prophets. They spoke my word. And these Pharisees were taking his word, these ancient truths, and what were they doing? Twisting them. Twisting them. Last week, we looked at money, and we saw how the Pharisees took that, and they, they twisted that. Well, some of you, you may have listened to the message last week, or, or some of you may, may say, well, Aaron, I, I get that, but that was the Old Testament time. Like, that tithe doesn't exist now. Like, we are free from that law, that bondage. Well, I say this, no, we are here to fulfill that Old Testament. And I'll take it even farther than that. The Old Testament says not, not to murder, right? Well, Jesus comes along, he fulfills that, and he says, no, that's great, but I'm going to take it even further. It's not murder, but, but don't even hate. The Old Testament, you know, will say uh, not only uh, to not commit adultery, but New Testament says don't even lust. Like, don't even lust. Jesus didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. He came to fulfill the Old Testament. Every yod, Every word spoken through the prophets written down is there on purpose. And these Pharisees, they were taking God's word and justifying their sins and their lives. Have you ever seen people take God's word and twist it? You know, just, just a little bit. I feel like for, for sin to enter into us, especially if we know God's word and he's speaking to us, we have to take the truths and we have to twist it a little bit and we have to justify it to, so we don't feel so bad about what we're doing. Some of us, we know that this is God's word, but we take it and we twist it to fit our needs at this time. They were doing that, especially in their relationships and their money and their marriages. They, they were doing this. They were taking God's word, the yodes, everything, and they were twisting it. Especially, uh, like we looked at money in a little bit, but now let's look at divorce. The marriages. Jesus, I, I like this in verse 18. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus wasn't just a happy pastor. And he didn't show up and just, just teach these happy little things that felt good all the time. And man, he speaks strong truth, doesn't he? He speaks absolute truth. And that's why I, I love as we're going through the book of Luke, that like Jesus is not bashing it away from anything. He's not shying away from anything. He's speaking truth and he's speaking it boldly. Makes us hard for us today as we communicate it, right? It shouldn't, though. It's truth, and it's spoken from God. But the Pharisees, they, they, they take this truth, and what they did is, we've talked about this before, but they, they added to the truth. Not only did they change some yodes, but they added to the truth. They wrote this book called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah would take simple things that God said, like, like this is the Sabbath. And this is what you do on the Sabbath. And they honor God on the Sabbath. And they take this beautiful thing that was meant for relationship. And they go, okay, okay, what does that mean? And then they begin to spell it out and add all these rules and regulations to the Mishnah. Like, on the Sabbath, it's got to be holy so I can't work. I can't walk. I can't breathe. I can't, you know, I can't, 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 can't. They take this lovely, beautiful thing that God has given and they create a Mishnah. Rules, laws, regulations. Why do they do this? Well I think they they did that for a couple reasons but here are some that maybe we can relate to. One to justify their sins, possibly just saying it. Or better than that, to be self righteous so you can judge other people. How many of you have grown up in church? Like you know the law. You know who God is. When you see someone doing something wrong and so it puffs you up a little bit, right? Oh, that sinner, that, that bad person over there. Like the Pharisees were taking this and, and they were twisting truth. And, and so here's what they did on the topic of divorce. And so let's go down just logically what they did on this topic of divorce. They went back to the Old Testament law given by Moses and they found a loophole in it. And they took the little words that Moses said and they said, Oh, Moses said that we can divorce. But if we look in Matthew 5, and you can just kind of write that down to look at later. If you look at Matthew 5, the question is this. Can a man divorce his wife for any and every reason? No, he cannot. But the Pharisees took this little loophole, this little thing that that Moses said. And they really said in their book of Hillel, in the Mishnah, in the book of Hillel, they said, you can divorce someone for any and every reason. Excuse me, sorry. You can divorce someone for any and every reason. So it literally meant this. They took something beautiful, they twisted it, added it to their Hillel, the Mishnah, and and it was like this. If your wife, if if she even burns a meal, you can divorce her for any and every reason. They took something that's beautiful and they twisted it. If she has a bad, bad haircut, you can divorce her for any and every reason. If she cheers for the wrong football team, you can divorce her for any and every reason. Like, they begin to justify. They took God's words and they begin to twist it to fit their needs. They begin to justify that. Does that sound like a lot like today? Marriages today. It sounds like a lot to me. So the Israelite community, they had a lot of adultery going on with them amongst their people. Adultery then, was were, the penalty was death for adultery. Their hearts were so far from God, adultery was rampant. So Moses, he permits the people to did get a divorce rather than to be killed. So they use this law in Moses' words to say that divorce, you can divorce your wife because she burns a meal. Look how far from the truth that is. Divorce, let's talk about it. We talked about money last week. Why not divorce this week? Some of us have been divorced. Probably. Some of us have parents that are divorced, friends that are divor- divorced. It's common. Church, I don't want to be fake. I want to be a church that has honest relationships, that has Honest communication. I got to say this. We have house churches. I beg you. I'll use a biblical word so it sounds awesome. I implore you. Get in a house church. There's no reason that you should be sitting next to your spouse and thinking about divorce right now. Like, God wants to communicate to you. He wants us as a community to support each other, to spur each other on to love and good deeds. The world around us is, is messed up. But I, I, got, I, got, I came across some statistics this week that really shocked me and made me smile. I, I posted them on our Facebook page because I think that the media has skewed some of the facts. If you were to Here are common facts. You would say divorce, you know, is the same in church as it is anywhere else. Like divorce rate is getting higher and higher and higher. The fact is no, absolutely not. What's happening is you're sitting here today. If you're part of a church body, your chance of getting divorced is 28% less than everyone else. That's beautiful. Like it's beautiful how God has created marriages. But the fact is that some of us have been divorced. And these Pharisees. Jesus, as he's teaching this, Jesus is holding these men accountable who are just leaving their wives for any and every reason. Now, I don't know what your experience has been and where you've been in life, but there's a difference between divorce and the one that has divorced you. There's a difference between that. It's like this. It's like holding someone accountable because they were murdered. Is that their fault? I mean, the, 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 the Bible says, do not murder. Very good. So is it the person who was murdered, is it their fault when they got murdered? Well, we can always say they could have taken self-defense classes or whatever, whatever, whatever. But here's the deal. Is it their fault they were murdered? What, what if someone steals something from you? Is it your fault that they stole that from you, that this, that this air has been put on you? So when we think about divorce, it's so easy, especially if you've grown up in church, when someone comes in and they've been divorced, to look at them and to be judgmental, to be self righteous. What about the person that was raped? Is it they're wrong because they were raped? See, as a church, when we look at this, and we look at divorce especially, divorce is God's plan was not God's plan. Marriage is God's plan for two people to become one and to never separate. God is a jealous God, and he wants all of us. And that's a spiritual truth. God is a God of covenant, and this is where we find our security. See, Jesus And God is a God of covenant. We see covenant throughout Scripture. We see it with Noah, with Moses, with Abraham, with David, with us. And Jesus says, in me, trust me, and I will make you new, and you will have my spirit, and I will seal you. And so we know the teaching of marriage is very strong. It says divorce in any case is not possible except for adultery. And that's it. And Jesus, as he's teaching, he's also doing something beautiful right here. He's mirroring his heart and covenant for the church, for us. Why does God hate divorce? Well, God is a God of covenant, and he thinks that that covenant should never be broken. It's a physical representation. Marriage is a physical representation of a spiritual truth. And God says, I love you. As a church, I've sent your, your son, my son, for you to die for you. And it's a spiritual representation of a spiritual truth that Jesus has sealed you with his love. And that's beautiful. The Bible makes it clear that for no other reason except adultery can, can one get divorced. For those of us considering divorce, for those, um, for any reason other than that, then it's wrong. And yet, the Pharisees, they take these truths, these yodes, they twist them, they manipulate them, and we do the same thing. I sit with people in marriage as I'm I'm talking with them, trying to help them through things, and I hear the yodes being switched and turned, and I see what marriage is being, being twisted, and you hear things like this, I don't love them anymore. Or, you know, I, I don't get along with them. Or we got married too young. Or we're just too different. Yet, we use the law to justify our thoughts and actions. And as we do that, it breaks the heart of God. When we divorce, we are tearing apart the essential fabric of society and our relationships. It's not natural that our body be ripped apart like that. We can't see what happens when when, when we divorce, but it messes up the kids, if there's kids in the picture. And you know what it does as well, and even in a bigger way? It sends a, a message to people around us that we don't truly trust in God's Word, and we truly don't believe in God's Word. It messes up society and our friends, and the damage it does to our own hearts is devastating. So what shall we do? And God teaches adultery is the only way out of marriage. And by that, I still want you to fight for your marriage. I'm for it. Like it's a covenant. I'm for it. Fight for your marriage. So what shall we do? What shall we do if we've been divorced? What shall we do if we know someone around us that's been divorced? Church, I have, I have to say this. Give grace for those who get divorced. Some of us, our spouse has left us. You may know someone who their spouse has left them, and they walk around, whether it was their fault or not, with a big scarlet D on their chest. And they walk into a church, and we go, Oh, you've been divorced? And we judge. Where's the grace? Where's the love? God's purpose for marriage is to stay together. If adultery enters, then then it's a just, you can get divorced from that. But even in that, God says, fight for your marriage. I've learned this, and I've learned this the hard way. I used to judge people in a lot of ways until I realized I'm capable of committing any and every sin. Any and every sin. We see David, the godliest man in, in, in Scripture, after God's own heart. And he commits a great sin, doesn't he? Multiples of them. Church, why do we judge each other? We need to show grace. Covenant of marriage is beautiful. It's a picture of God and what he's done for us and his church. What do we do if we're struggling in marriage right now? What do you do if we're struggling in your marriage right now? Here's what you do. Your marriage needs fighting. And I'll just leave it at that. Some of you hear fighting is a bad connotation or it has bad meanings. Yes, it does. But it also has beautiful meaning. Your marriage right now may need fighting. <laughs> marriage is really a mirror of our own soul. It shows us what we need to work on. Marriage is tough for most people. It's not easy. You have to work on it. Move from fighting in your marriage to fighting for your marriage. Our marriages need fighting. It's a covenant between two people. It's God's desire for our heart. If you've ever been divorced, God has grace if it was your action that caused that divorce. And he says, I love you, I forgive you. If you've been abandoned and someone divorced you, I'm so sorry. And God is there and he wants to heal you and he loves you. But today as we sit with our marriages and our spouse, let's fight for our marriage. If we spend as much time fighting for our marriage as we do fighting in our marriage, we would have strong marriages. If for no other reason, if for no other reason than to honor God in your marriage, then don't get divorced. It's a covenant. It's a representation of God and what He's done for our world. People are dying for the message of God, for this gospel message. They're forcing their way. They're saying, This is beautiful, and yet we can't even stay married because it's inconvenient. Church, get in community with people, speak real life at house church, be open and honest. If I find out that one of my friends is getting a divorce and I know nothing about it, I'm going to feel hurt. Church, let's be honest. Let's help each other through life. This is real life. There is wisdom when we sit down with God's word and with other people. Get involved in a house church. Build solid relationships. If you're a younger couple, go grab an older couple that has modeled a beautiful marriage and model after them. Say, how do you make this work? Let's fight for our marriages. It's a covenant. Let's not take the law and the yodes and twist it to fit our own desires at this time. Choose to obey God rather than our selfish desires. As we look at this passage with money, let's use it for eternal purposes for our marriages. Let's fight for it to use, um, and, to, and use that even our marriages to show people God's truth and love. But the whole gist of what we're looking at right here in these verses, these four verses is this. I am God. I love you. What I say is true. Honor me with everything I've given you. Your money, your marriages. Don't twist it for your own selfish gain. I love you. It is impossible to say that we are devoted followers of Christ and choose or even to contemplate to end our marriage. It's outside of Jesus' law and His will. It's not what... He is best for us, and Jesus wants what's best for us. He wants his name to be known with our life and with our marriages. Fight for your marriage. Obey Jesus and God's word. Get in community with others, and don't twist the scripture to fit your need and your lifestyle. That's when we get in trouble. Church, this is a hard message, isn't it? It's not a feel-good message, but it's a message that when we grab how much God loves us, this gospel message, it comes alive in us and makes us excited to follow God. I'm going to ask us right now to just uh, close our Bibles. And I want, um, I want this time to be special between you and God. And just you and God in this place. We've spoken a lot of words and the truths have just jumped off of the pages of Scripture and I'm not sure what God is prodding in your heart or your mind right now. The thing I pray for the most every time that I'm going into the message is that the Spirit of God would teach each and every one of us exactly what He wants us to hear. And so if you would, just close your eyes. Let's meditate on God. Just have a conversation with God. Maybe some of us, we do have a history and there's divorce in our history and there's pain there. Would you, could you, in in this place, just hold your hands out in front of you and say, God, there's pain here. God, I need healed. I need forgiveness. I need love in this area because it hurts and it's hurt for a long time. God, would you please take this from me? Would you please show me your love and your grace? Would you show me how beautiful I am in your eyes? The truth of Scripture we read about says that God is always here no matter what we've done. God is here to love us and forgive us. So in this place, if God is prompting something in your heart that is just not right, something that just doesn't feel right, give that to God. Say, God, here it is. Search my heart and know me. I want to align my life with you, God. So just a couple moments of silence with you and God. for some of us maybe this message was more about just us realizing that we're taking God's truth and we're twisting it just just ever so slightly just a yod here a yod there till suddenly it fits exactly what we wanted to say and that's just breaking our heart because it breaks God's heart Give that to God. Say, God, please align me with your truth. Show me your truth. May I run after your truth like Proverbs says, just hungry, run after wisdom and your truth. May I align my life fully with you. Because God, in your truth is wisdom and life and joy and love. Some of us may be facing the reality that our relationship with our spouse is not the strongest right now. In fact, it's really struggling. Number one, do you believe God and His Word is true? Hold on to that truth. Pray for your marriage, fight for your marriage. Come talk to us if if you need directions for like where we can send you for counseling. Maybe you need counseling as a as a couple. Maybe you need to sit with people and just talk about your marriage and fight for your marriage. It's beautiful and it's worth it. So even where you're sitting right now, there's there's cards, response cards, and Maybe God's prompting you and just make a little note and put it in our offering plate. Say, yeah, please pray for my marriage or please call me. I need to talk about my marriage or whatever you want, whatever God is is just putting on your heart. Write that down and put it in the offering box. Please don't leave here feeling judged, condemned, hurt, because God's sitting here and saying, I love you. I have forgiveness and grace and love for you. I have a purpose for you. I want you to live a a life of passion that shows the world what love and joy looks like. So church, if that's not us today, let's align ourselves with God. Let's fight for our marriages. Let's fight for our relationship with God. Let's fight for His truth. And may we never forget this gospel good message of what God has done for our lives. I'm gonna ask us to stand right now. If you would like prayer, Jared is up here in the front right. Um, If you want to worship God through offering, it's in the back right. Maybe you just want to sit here and, and just sing praises to God. We'll be able to do that as well. But in this place, it's between you and God.